Not Great Parents podcast. I'm one not great parent, Molly, and, and this is another. I'm another not great parent, Nathan. Well, we are glad you all are here today, and we know that you aren't great parents either. That's right, and that's okay. We're proud to be not great parents. We are. We are striving for goodness that's and right. Christ-like um, in our parenting and in our children's lives, and so we don't expect to be great parents. That's right, right. And, it's and not our goal. as we've said since episode one, we are trying to give up great and 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 pursue God's goodness. Yep. So yeah. Well, we've got something different for you guys today. I was about to say you may have already seen it in your description or yeah. you, you you read it on our YouTube channel. It's a mini episode. A mini episode. Mini not great parents. <laughs> Many not great, but even in this mini episode, we hope it's some really good information for yeah, you guys. Yeah, yeah, and you may look at the runtime. I, I currently don't know what the runtime is, but it's probably not going to feel many. So, well, we're talking. <laughs> so, what so. does it mean when we say many? When we're talking, what what is the difference between a mini episode and the first two was episode one and two? So, so what do we mean? Well, what we mean is that it is not going to be a series of segments that we yeah. talk. Uh, it's not going to be. Um, a lot of different topics that we cover. Maybe yeah. it will be, but it won't be, you know, we're, we won't be cutting to a bunch of separate segments yeah. and then coming back and forth to them. It's not and, quite as produced. Right. And yeah. a lot of the content that we will get from this will probably and hopefully be coming from you all. Yeah. They're not great parents right. that have questions. So we want to make sure that you know, there's opportunity for us to just talk about what matters to you guys. Yes. We won't necessarily always produce something around it. We may just have conversations where we just talk about whatever it is that you guys have going on, whatever right. you guys want us to talk about. So um, I, in the Parent Q app, uh, we have a link to an area where you can put questions, and we want you to do that. I think it's also in the description of the episode, too. I there's a so direct too. link to it. So you have the link to Parent Q which we want you to download the app. And there's also a link straight to that form to ask questions. And they're anonymous. Right. So we don't have to know who We're you not going to say, great parent so-and-so yes. has sent in this question. They'll yes. be completely anonymous, and we'll talk through them. Yeah. And, and, you know, sometimes it might not be Nathan and I. We might bring on somebody else. I was well. about to say, I think, you know, in, in, in the heart of just going with being not great. Uh, I think both of us acknowledge kind of there may be things that because we're young in parenting, we've been doing youth ministry and children's ministry a long time, but there may be specific questions that we want to pull in, you know, someone like Jason, who has a daughter who's in college, another one who's in upper high school, or, you know, uh, Ed, who's ancient. And so... <laughs> Yes. And so we'll see what we'll see what wisdom he can pull from yeah. the what he can from, remember from, well, what he can dig out of his memory for it. That's right. <laughs> no, but seriously, I think we could. I think there will be a lot of this these mini episodes, and the reason we want to do them is when you and I were initially kind of coming up with the concept of what did we want to do, we knew that we wanted our primary episodes. Uh, to be kind of themed around right. ideas. There were things that we knew no one was ever going to ask us about. Right. But we knew we're central to raising good and godly kids. And we wanted to find creative and fun ways to do that, which is why we've had, you know, interviews and we've had these kind of stories and we've told right. stories from the Bible or told stories from church history. And we wanted to kind of theme those around an idea. But because we're not great. 
We right. knew we could not keep that pace of production up. Exactly. But we wanted to be able to do these kind of lighter episodes where we could come in and talk about things. Like we're, today we're going to talk about an article that we read right. that we knew didn't really fit a theme, but is something we wanted parents to know about. And like you said, questions. And I think right. hopefully we haven't, we have not released an episode at the point we're filming this. So we don't have questions, but we're hoping in future episodes we'll have questions. Plus... On the next mini episode, you're going to get to see uh, Donnie and Sawyer again from the Family Movie right. Night podcast. Right, and some of you I know loved the Family Movie That's podcast. That's right. So, so that'll be included in here. That's not going away entirely. Yeah. We're going to incorporate it into here. So. And so they'll probably happen in these kind of mini episodes. So this will give us a chance to cover multiple ideas mm-hmm. um, that we want to want to deal with. Yeah. And so I'm excited about them. I am. So today we're actually talking about social media. Right. Who doesn't want to talk about social media? What we've learned from this, just bringing it up with parents, it is a hot topic. And it is in our lives, too. I mean, we're social media users. The church is a social media user. And we know that uh, families use it. Teenagers use it. Yeah, particularly if you're starting to use it. But yes, it really does. um, It really does become very relevant in the teenage years, I think. And I think, you know, I've got... I've got an 11-year-old, you've got a 10-year-old, 10-year-old, mm-hmm, and they're already at the age where, you know, I don't feel I don't feel like mean dad by saying, no, you can't have social media, but they are at the beginning stages of, well, why, you know, I was at, my kids were like, I was at the gym the other day, or I was at church even, right. and there was a kid watching TikTok, and we've had to tell them, like, we don't want you watching TikTok, because, right. you know, there's not a lot of control of what shows up there, exactly. and- You know, anyway, so having those conversations, I'm not mean dad yet, but I'm starting to have those conversations. But I know by the time they're 13, 14, there may be decisions I have to make that would make me feel like mean, old-fashioned dad who doesn't get it, you know? Yeah. And so even if you've got kids that are upper elementary, you're also having these conversations. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm having one conversation about when can I get a phone, and that's a whole other thing. But But the main reason why... I am not interested in my child having a phone right now is the social media aspect yeah. is the, you know, it's not that I think he's going to sit down and play a game and never get off a game. It's the access to other people that he would have through social media right. and all the things that come with that. So I'm still in the, I'm not the worst mother in the world. I'm right. But trying to understand why right. he doesn't have that phone. Yeah. But I also am having those conversations and I'm hearing other parents talk about that as well. Well, and then it gets complicated because I know many people, uh, you are in a situation where you are co-parenting. And yep. because you're co-parenting, your student has to have some kind of device, a phone or something, because the other parent in the situation has either given them the phone or you guys have agreed upon, we're going to have the phone so that you know mom or dad can have conversations mm-hmm. with kid and so it gets complicated i don't think it's as simple for everyone as we're just going to avoid the conversation oh, right. completely right and i don't think that you know each family is going to have the exact same thing and it might even right. be different from child to child within the same family no, based yes. on various factors saw- not just the age factor it may be based on maturity factor and things that yes. things that happen in your family and and 
the truth is it's okay for it not all to look uniform. I saw a meme the other day that was like, uh, parenting is realizing you have one kid that you could trust to stay at home and take a turkey out of the oven <laughs> on time. And you have another kid that you won't trust to brush their own hair. And those kids are one year apart. Yes. Because <laughs> that's 100%. That sounds about right. That's 100% what it that is. is so, so true. Like you said, it's not even for everyone. And even in our last uh, the very first episode we did, and we talked about this new social media platform of Be Real. Be Real. And after that, you and I were having a conversation about it. And in the episode, I said, you know, um, as a parent, uh, it, you are perfectly within your rights to know their passwords and to have, you know, have screenshot accountability, which I still stand by. I think is good advice. But I realized afterwards, that's good advice if you have young kids like ours that they're just at the beginning stages and you can kind of implement things in phases. Right, and you can set that as an expectation and as something that they yes. know along the way. But it's not great advice. <laughs> and not in the way we would say, it's not even good advice. If you have a 16 year old and they already, the cat's already out of the bag. Right. And they already have everything and going back would cause more problems than doing that. So we wanted to have a conversation, I think about what does it mean to be wise right. with social media? Not to be um, totally avoidant on it. And I'm not saying that you should have it. Uh, so don't hear me say that either. But we are living in a world that for if you have teenagers, the cat's probably out of the bag. Oh, yeah. And the yeah. amount of control you have is very little. And quite frankly, even if they don't even own their own device, sometimes yes. they are they social have media access participants somehow. through other means. So how do, how do we train our kids. That's that's a phrase you'll hear us say a lot right. is not just teach our kids, but train them and coach them to use social media. Because even if you're successful at keeping your kid off social media till they're 18. Which isn't going to happen most likely. But even if you but are, you might. at you some might. point they're going to move out and then it's going to be like, what do the Amish call it? Rumspriga or whatever. Like they're just going to, they can just go nuts and do whatever they want. And so <laughs> instead of just saying, hey, let's avoid it and let's not talk about it. How do we have wise social media conversations about it? So what, what do you think is the kind of first way? And let's talk directly because we've already kind of talked about, and I do think it's easier when when you have young kids and you're able to kind of do it the way you, know, you, you wish you could do it from the beginning. I want to talk about, let's say you have a 16-year-old. How do you have the conversation with a 16-year-old about let's be careful? And maybe the easier way to start is, what are the things we really want them to be aware of with social media? You know what I mean? Right. I mean, I don't think it's so straightforward as post this, don't post that. This right. I, I mean, for me as a parent it, at any age, it is always going to be around interacting with people you don't know. Oh, okay. Sure. That is always going to be. I, yeah. I feel like as a parent, social media is similar to dropping your child off at the state fair or somewhere right, like that and right. walking away be Without right. some sort of a some side yeah. sort of involvement, you would never just drop your kid off at the gate without having a conversation with them up front. Right, you would right, never right. say, "This is what we're going to do," or "This is where you're going to go," just right. so that you're on the same page about it. I think you know, if the cat's out of the bag on social media, absolutely, you you can talk about it with them. Still, I think. Well, I can, think there should be an expectation within the relationship, and these these are the things you may have to work on if this is not the way the relationship is. But learning how to have Honest conversations, right? Which often means you have to be honest. Absolutely, that was going to be my next point. Yeah. I mean, you have to be honest, even around your own social media use. Right, like 
this is this is what I've seen, but also I think having a level of grace and patience in that. I think we often, we get freaked out because the internet is forever. And being right. able to explain that to our kids, I think, is important. The internet's mm-hmm. forever. What you post, even if you delete it, it is in it's some there. form there. Uh, but being able at the same time to understand, even though the internet is forever, which I think is a good reason to not put your kid on there when they're really young. Yes. But being able to have the grace of their frontal lobe is not fully developed enough for them to make comprehensive so they're going to make dumb mistakes oh yeah and being able not to freak out as mom and dad i think yes i think when we as parents go in guns ablazing, we are already going to destroy the ability to have a productive conversation about it yes so i think whether that be you know when you're having the initial discussion with them or when they do screw up because they're going to yes um so i think you know we immediately lose yeah. Any ability to have a conversation if we come in there. Yeah. If they're already using it and we come in, like yes. I said, guns ablazing, it is already going to put your child on the defensive. Yeah. I also think it's important. So one, have conversations. I think that's important. I think another one is uh, set clear boundaries. Yep. I think this is true. And we probably will do a themed episode on the importance of teaching our kids boundaries Oh yes. um, at some point. But I think being able to say to them, you need to have boundaries of what you will and won't post online. There are certain aspects of your life they don't need to see. And it's not about uh, like cleaning it up to make it look perfect. It's a matter of saying there there are parts of your life that should be private. Right. So let's have boundaries around that. Let's have boundaries around who we speak to on there. Right. You already mentioned that. Let's have boundaries around how much we use it, yep. which once again, you as mom and dad, may have to uh, take yourself to the woodshed a little bit on yeah. that of how often you I have your phone. Yeah. yeah. And so being able that. to say, let's have boundaries. But with all boundaries, they have to be clear. They have to be clearly stated, which means you have to say Absolutely. to them, this is it, not get mad at them for something they didn't know you expected them to do. Right. And they need to be agreed upon. And, what, and especially when you have older kids, they both need to work on it. Now, that doesn't mean... That if they don't agree, you have to go, well, they get to make the rules. Right. If you do have control, you can say, well, if we can't agree on this, then then we're going to have to have a different kind of conversation about maybe whether this can happen at all. Right. But I think setting boundaries is really important. But, you know, I know you brought up, and this is a chance we get to bring in someone with more wisdom than either of us. Absolutely. You were telling me I was unable to be at the last parenting event we had, but it was about raising emotionally healthy kids and this there was a question that was brought up about social media that we both thought would be good to hear uh, Jason, Jason Collins, who it was teaching at that event, his wisdom on it. So can you set up what was that question? So the question was around when is it an appropriate time to let your children be involved with right. social media? And it also, it, I think it was coming from, a, from the emotion side of it. Right. So it was kind of, all right, I've got a I've got a teenager and I've got one coming into the teenage years. Right. When is it okay and how do we define those parameters and how do we deal with the emotional side that's going to come along right. with whatever if, decision is made? If mom and dad say no, yeah. or if mom and dad help establish help, you know, healthy boundaries or strict boundaries, what does that look like and how do we as a family move forward?
I want to introduce you guys to Jason Collins. Many of you already know him, and he's one of our teaching pastors here. And um, he also is part of our parenting ministry, That's right. which we have uh, talked about previously a little bit. But um, Jason, why don't you tell us a little bit about, in your words, what parenting ministry is about? Wow, uh, that's a big question. But uh, I would boil it down to this. Uh, we believe as a church, it is our role in families' lives to be a support system to parents to help them uh, disciple their kids in the way of Jesus and the kingdom of God. And so we feel like we are um, we are more of a support system to them rather than being the be-all, end-all of spiritual growth in a child's life because we only see kids, what, an hour a week, okay? Mm -hmm. So that's not very much. But parents, we know, are the greatest influencers in a child's life. And so we believe if we can uh, better disciple parents, then right. they will be able to better disciple their kids. So the parenting ministry has a monthly event. Yep. Sometimes they're fun games. Sometimes right. they're seminars. We always have some kind of um, something in there that equips parents yeah. to handle various various things. Mm -hmm. So um, we always have the latest event uh, that will be on Parent Q, so you can see that there. Yes. Um, but last month we had an event that was about emotionally healthy children, raising yes. emotionally healthy children. And um, it was really interesting. <laughs> and I'm I think glad was, you say that. It was a great topic. I felt like people <clears throat> had a lot of, they were really engaged. And I they think were. that they had a lot of, um, a lot of questions came out of that. Definitely. Um, some of them were directly about the emotional <laughs> state of their children and how to handle handle emotions or how to allow those emotions to flow at home. Mm -hmm. um, and then some came more more specific. So yep. um, one of the ones that we thought were, was really interesting was um, question around social media. Yeah. So. Um, Which is the most popular question I get from parents. Probably every few sessions there's something yes. about what do we do with social media? Exactly. So um, one of the questions that came up was around, it came from a family that had two children. One mm -hmm. was younger, one was older. And it was, um, you know, how do you go about setting limits? Mm -hmm. And especially in the scenario where your child already has social media mm -hmm. and maybe you haven't been super engaged or involved in in that yeah. and now you want to make sure that you you know your child's using it in a way that is appropriate yes. in a way that your family is comfortable with so how would you go about that well in that scenario because it is a unique scenario um, you come into the middle of something that's already going on right and that is handled different than planning ahead and going ahead and setting limits before your child's even exposed mm -hmm. so it, you can think of it like the old toothpaste analogy. Once that's out of the tube, it's not going back in, uh, mm -hmm. at least not very well. In fact, I would say if you come in to a situation where your kid's already engaged in social media and you just bring the hammer down and it's gone, you're probably going to set the stage for rebellion mm -hmm. instead of what I would better suggest is a way of in, interjecting into that child's world Um in a more cooperative way. Right. Saying we are, because, and I talked about this at the seminar, um, we want to be on our child's side as a team member in their life that is helping them tackle whatever comes in front of them instead of an opposition standing in their way. Right. And there's a different, that's a different posture that you take as a parent. And so um, probably the best way in that situation, your child's already got it, they're already involved in it, is to come alongside and, and become a, um, a, a presence in their life where you say, look, 
this is a big, big world that you've stepped into. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff out there that's really good and it's helpful. You can connect with friends and you can do the whole thing. But then there's also things that I, as a parent, want to make sure that you are protected from because there's bad in this world, especially, I mean, we're talking about teens, right? Mm -hmm. So it's okay to start that conversation. There's there's bad things in this world. They know that. And so I want to help. I want to help you navigate this, and I want us to do it together Mm -hmm. and start a conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, You can already have in your mind kind of limits in your mind, like, you know, you you want your kid to only be on it a certain amount of time during Mm -hmm. the day. You can already have that. But if you approach it as a negotiation rather than a rule that's now being laid down, you're probably going to find a little bit more um, peace in that conversation. Right. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, because you're immediately going to take the defensiveness down a notch. It It may still feel... You know, yeah. somewhat in, for a child mm-hmm. for, for a child who's using social media, it may feel like my parent all of a sudden is intruding and well, and yeah. or they're going to the end. I'm I'm just not going to be able to have it, and that might not be what you're saying. You're no. you're having a negotiation or a conversation. Yeah, the most important thing you want to do is you want to be a part of the world that they are in, and you almost have to be invited in, or at least earn the right to be in that world because mm-hmm. you want. And it goes beyond just hours and limits. I mean, that's a part of it. But the other thing that's even more important in my mind is you need to know what's going on. Mm -hmm. You need to have access to who they're uh, interacting with and who their friends are and who they're connected to on social media and what they are posting Mm -hmm. and those kinds of things. Because you just you need that access to be able to then when something does come up that needs to be addressed, Mm -hmm. like if someone outside of your child's friend group, an adult, tries to contact them, mm-hmm. which, by the way, that happens really often. Mm-hmm. I mean, my girls have told me, Dad, I don't talk to the creepy men that hit me up on my DMs. Right. That's probably even an old reference. But but you get what I'm saying. <laughs> yes. And, and so we have a conversation about that. Yes, you are right. And right. thanks for telling Dad about that. Um, you want to be involved when something comes in to the social media world that needs to be addressed, you want to have the um, relationship already established where you can talk about it and give them context and don't freak out. That's what I was going to say. So talk so, me through yeah. the parents uh, on the parent side. Mm-hmm. So there are going to be scenarios, oh, yeah. not for everybody necessarily, but no. where, you know, you might find things that you don't, you did not know your child was doing. You're not okay with that. That's right. Talk, because this came out of the emotion. The Emotionally Healthy Children Seminar, mm-hmm. let's talk about it from the parent perspective yeah. and controlling our own emotions or having appropriate emotions in those conversations. Yeah, and like I said earlier, the number one thing is don't freak out. I say that to parents all the time. I say, if you freak out, you're going to communicate to your child that you don't have a control over the situation, and we know they don't. And kids do, believe it or not, kids do thrive in boundaries. We all do. Mm-hmm. That's the truth. And mm-hmm. so... They really do need and at the end of the day want those boundaries. Um, But if you come in and you seem like you're just either off the wall angry or you're freaked out and scared to death that, you know, they have seen something they shouldn't have seen, um, that that you're already starting off on a shaky foundation. Mm -hmm. You want to come in and bring bring light and uh, perspective to this and and also know, especially if you've got a kid who just, this thing came to them, someone reached out to them or an image came up that they weren't seeking out. Right. Um, 
okay, let's talk about that. It's not you're in trouble and I'm mad at you or mm-hmm. or for heaven's sake, God is mad at you or anything like that. It's a, okay, let's handle this. Let's right. talk about this. And you get, you show them how to handle it like an adult and you'll be training them to become an adult who can handle it. Mm-hmm. One of the things I thought was so great when during this seminar mm-hmm. was the act of Asking questions. Yes. So rather than making assumptions, whether about be about we were talking about their mm-hmm. emotions, but just in general, ask questions. And I think that applies here too. And non-accusatory questions. Just yeah. understand how they're using it. Understand why what's mm-hmm. important about that. Understand, yep. you know, who they're interacting with, but do it in a question form, I think. And getting down to the emotions of what is going on in it. You know, mm-hmm. how did when this person reached out or when you saw this or whatever it is that you're dealing with in the moment, tell me how that made you feel mm-hmm. and try and pull out some of the emotions because that's the part that oftentimes our kids are dealing with internally and they don't know how to handle it because they're not yet equipped for it maturely, maturity wise. Mm-hmm. And so we need to come alongside and be that partner that helps them process. And like I said in the seminar, for those of you who were there, we need to give our kids the place and the space to feel whatever it is they feel mm-hmm. and let them know and normalize it. Say, it's okay. Let's just process it. Let's talk through it. And mom or dad is here and there's, you know, there's nothing wrong with you. Mm-hmm. It just, this is part of life and we're going to figure it out. Yeah. All right, Nathan, I know we both recently read an article and I yeah. think it's a great time to talk about it. So I'll let you kind of tee it up for us here. Yeah, so the article uh, was is I I heard about it through uh, Ed, our senior pastor, my mm-hmm. dad, uh, sent to uh, the whole staff this article from Church and Culture dot org that um, it was this research that was recently done, and the title of the article was that uh, teen girls are in crisis, and it was actually a report done uh, by the CDC. They do like a youth. Let me see what it's called: the Youth Risk Behavior data summary so so whether or not you like the cdc or not they still they, have they have valid, the research they do have the research for us on this and basically what the washington post reported and this is where it kind of this stuff came from that from that cdc report was uh that the there is a pervasive sadness suicidal thoughts and sexual violence that are endured by teen girls it is jolted parents and the wider public and what they came to was that uh, nearly one in three high school girls have considered suicide. That's a 60% rise in the last decade. Mm-hmm. Nearly 15% have been forced to have sex. And about six in 10 girls were so consistently sad or hopeless, they stepped away from uh, regular activities. And it goes down into a bunch of stuff where it actually says things that people are actually a little shocked by, that drug use is down, drinking is right. down, smoking is down. But what has ended up happening Uh, is these other things have risen, and it says this. There's no shortage of finger-pointing in the article. Uh, Growing up in a social media culture with impossible beauty standards, online hate, academic pressure, economic difficulty, self-doubt, and sexual violence, the isolation and upheaval of COVID made it tougher still. And so this kind of, for me, when I read it, compounded on some data we have now talked about for a while and seen. I read a book, uh, maybe like two years before COVID hit called, uh, I think it's called iGen is the name of the book, but it's about Generation Z. So I'm a millennial. It's the generation after us. They're the first ones that were raised from about middle school 
where smartphones were the thing. Okay. So from about eighth grade on, millennials are kind of defined by the fact that we had the internet in middle school. And by we, you mean you. <laughs> I mean, that's what I mean. Yeah. But by the time that that by the time, so if you look at um Right. Millennials being were born in 1980, so by the time millennials are in high school, most people had AOL in their home. Oh, and then nice. by the time that I was in uh, middle school, almost everyone had uh, like DSL or some high-speed internet. Some high-speed internet, high speed internet. And, con and, and constant access. Yes, you could kind of get to anything. And then Gen Z is the first one. The iPhone comes out in 2000, I think, seven, and then it's kind of in pretty wide use by 2009. So people born after 1995 are considered Gen Z. And that that statistic was talking about how uh, that book had this research, it was a sociological book, and they talked about how um, parents get really nervous about screen time. I'm sure you hear that yes. all the time. Screen time, and they're talking about how much time they spend in front of the TV, how much time they spend in front video of games. video games, all that kind of stuff. And what they actually find is that screen time is not as big of the issue. That screen time use is actually pretty negligible on a child's uh, mental health. And what they mean is screen time, that is TV, video games, even tablets. Right. Uh, those things, by and large, are not the biggest problem. Obviously, if it was an unhealthy amount, all that they did, that would be true for anybody. Right. But the normal amount, what they did find was people at a younger age and into adulthood who use social media, uh, the more often you use social media, the higher your mental health problems go, the higher your risk for depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, all yes. of those kind of things go up. And so this study to me was, to me, unfortunately, kind of what we call a lag measurement of that. We had already seen these right. things happening, and now we see there are these teenage, as they said, teen girls, but I know it's true for teen boys too, uh, are just in crisis now of how much this has gone up. And so I think the conversation we want to have is often with social media, the thing we focus on is there are bad people out there that are going to come get them, right. or there's bad images and things they're going to see, see online and interact with. But what it turns out is even if your kid is on social media and they're just talking to their wholesome friends and seeing what they post on Instagram, uh, the the amount of time they spend. And then that, that coincided with another article I read that said that uh, TikTok, I think it was last week, put parameters around their teen users that say if you are a teen user. Right. The app will shut down after an hour of use a day because of this reason. Now, what we all know is that um, there's a way at work around for everything. <laughs> well, it's pretty easy because usually the way it works, it says uh, for any, it, not as a person who's ever uh, struggled with an explicit website in my life, but when they ask you, are you 18 years or older to use this, it turns out just hitting yes gives you the access. And if you have to put in a birthday, you probably can do that. You math. can probably figure out. I was born in 1920. So <laughs> so figuring out how to get around it, I that my point was not to say good job TikTok. My point was to say if TikTok, if TikTok has thinks figured it out. A, well, and if TikTok thinks a limit needs to be put on. Right. I mean. So let's talk yeah. about that. How do we as parents, once we said, hey, the cat's out of the bag. I, you know, they're at school and they have their phone. They have a job and they're at work and they have a phone. What kind of limits can I put in place? What kind of boundaries can we put in place to say, hey, we're going, we're going to have wise Wise use, use of this because once again, and this was interesting, and it was either this article, or another one I read. Teens, it they they the teens who don't have social media have the exact same problem. 
mm-hmm. because they feel left out of the loop. Right. They There is a feeling of isolation that comes out. So being completely removed from it also creates a problem. And so... So somewhere in the middle. Well, yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe I mean, not. I don't know a way to change the society. That's the truth. I don't know how to get everyone's kid off social media. Well, and you can't get... Right. You can't change everything, but you, you can have the influence in your own home to make changes there. So that's the question I think we want to deal with is where do we begin to be wise with setting limits on social media? Well, I think... You as a parent can help set time limits when it comes to the time you're at home with your family. Yes. You can replace that time with other activities as a yes. family. I mean, every teenager wants to spend all the time in the world with their family. Yes. But you can you can figure out ways that everybody is doing, you know, everybody is stepping yes. away from their phones. Yes. I know that there are families that have even simple as a basket that they yes. have, you know, time that they don't. And I know that sounds stupid and simple and whatever, but it's something that you can do. I think we talked about conversation before. I think you have to, you know, talk about, talk about those things. Yes. And along with the, in the conversation, I think it's important to talk about comparison because I, I yes. think that, you know, even as an adult and so a social media user, it's hard to not compare. It is yes. hard. I think moms feel that pressure a ton, yes. um, especially because on social media we have tons of perfect, great moms. Yes. <laughs> so I think those things are important. I think, um, you know, other ways that you can um, begin to kind of have those uh, limits put in would be... Um, you know, just outright remove. I mean, yeah. really think you have to take, not take it away from them, but yeah. just continue to find ways to scale back on it. Maybe it's an ending time. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's, you know, something along, along those lines where yeah. you are having boundaries that you as a family put in to help limit that amount of time. I would not let my child go to bed with their phone at night. Well, so those were things I was going to say, very practical things. It's like, I would not let them have their phone in their room at night. That Gen Z book that I read, iGen, they talked about the number of people in Gen Z who go to bed with their phone under their pillow. Right. uh, Is is an insane amount. Um, And uh, being able to say... Um, your your phone goes to sleep in a different room. And, right. and your phone, I heard someone say this, and I thought this was a good little catchy way of saying it is, I wake up before my phone does, mm-hmm. and I go to bed after my phone does. That's great. So my phone's in another room. I get an alarm clock for my kid. Oh, yeah. And they have a physical alarm clock that wakes them up, and they have some amount of time in the morning before they leave, not on their phone. Right. And then they, before they go to bed, the last thing they're not watching is scrolling through and seeing everyone else who's happier than them. And everyone else, no, they're not, and we know that. Everyone's just putting their greatness right. out there, but they're not just sitting and looking at this person's happier than me, this person's prettier than me, this mm-hmm. person is doing more than I'm doing. That's mm-hmm. not the last thought before they go to bed. They have time to decompress. I think what you said of having limits on family use, I would, I, I, here's a great book that I think would be great. It's called The Tech Wise Family right. uh, by Andy Crouch. And I think it is a phenomenal book that goes into this, but he talks a lot about he doesn't allow his kids to have their phones in the car, not in the car, but not out in the car when they're driving. They mm-hmm. have a, they have an iPod still. And they listen to the iPod and everyone gets to kind of pick a song. And he said, what happens is when you have teenagers, none of them can agree on a song. So mostly you ride in silence and talk. There you go. Because one of the things that the book iGen talks about is 
there is a way to reverse it, which is the more in-person connections they have with peers and adults that they can have meaningful relationships. It counteracts the social media stuff. So I would encourage, I heard a parent, uh, and I think it was on TikTok, so maybe that's a bad idea, but I, know. I think I heard like, this on TikTok. Uh, <laughs> but a parent was talking about, they call them, they call them feast days. As they said, when their teenagers got older, it was hard to keep their, their family together. And they I think did, I've heard about this. Yeah, and they did a thing called feast days where they said they wanted to make Saturday nights at their home the best thing in the world. And so they would say, you can invite as many Anybody people that, that you, you want. want over and we'll make your favorite kind of food and everyone will hang out together. And he said, I would make it so much fun to be at home that they would rather not be somewhere else. I read, I saw this too. And I think the truth is that's even an older model of thinking. And what I mean is my experience has not been that teenagers are out just going nuts in parking lots and, and going out and doing crazy things. They're mostly on their phone at home. Maybe, or in small groups of people. Yeah, like, or talking, but most of their connection is happening through this. And so for you to say, put the phone down and invite those people over to the house and you can have space here and I'll accept your friend and yes, they're weird to me. Right. And yes, I don't understand what music you're listening to and these kind of things, but you have a place here you can hang out. Right. And, and I'll make it fun, meaning... I will, I will get out of the way. <laughs> I will get out of the way. I will create... I will not be... I will the, create an environment and yes. give you the time so that you can have those relationships yes. here in a healthy environment. And I think being able to have kind of fasting from the phone, being able to say, hey, after dinner time as a family, we're all going to do something together. Or, you know, as you get teenagers and they have their own schedule, that may not happen. But once a week, we're going to have a family meal and we're not going to have our phones out. And mom and dad won't have our phones out. And we're just going to be together. And giving that little bit of grounding yeah. to your kids, rooting them in something real, I think is important. And I think you can, I mean, there are apps to help shut your kids' phones oh, off at certain yes. times. And those things are usable tools. I just think as a parent, especially with kids that are older, some of these that are already, you know, heavy users, you do need to replace that time yes. with things that are valuable, not just say, hey, I'm taking your phone. Now you go in your room and do something and I'm going to go over here and do something. And I think we're going to have an interview later on um, about this. I know when you have teenagers, and I already feel this with my preteen, like there's a feeling of they don't want me around and they don't yep. want to spend time with me. But, you know, my brother is a high school math teacher. I was a you know youth group leader for a while. I've talked with Sawyer about this, who leads youth here. The amount of kids that at least for the last five or six years say that the thing they want most from their parents is their attention. Yeah. That they feel like their parents are consumed with their own phones and their own activities. And they kind of, they shuttle me to places and they they, they put me right. places. But, but they the don't art really... of conversation with a child and yes. parent, not that it's an art, but you know, yeah. the the consistent dialogue and attention between a child and a parent is somewhat lost at the moment. Well, and I think what breaks my heart about that is because I'm a parent and I know many of the parents here in our church, you also wish you had more time with your kids, but mm -hmm. both of you assume the other one doesn't want to spend time with you, that you think your teenager wants nothing to do with you. And unfortunately, sometimes your teenager thinks you don't want to have a conversation with them. And so I would just encourage you to say, let's root our lives, not in the greatness of a phone, but in the goodness of family relationships and with your friends, in-person bonding right. and relationships, something that's real where you look at another person and you get a feedback that isn't a like or a heart. Right. And I will add this as we're kind of wrapping it up. 
one of the reasons we brought Be Real up, and both Sawyer and I kind of talked about this, the thing I love about Be Real is that I bet I spend two minutes on Be Real a day. I mean, Sawyer, right. I mean, how, average time, how much do you spend on, on Be Real? Yeah, 10 minutes at most. Yeah, like, because it's a closed loop. It's not right. TikTok that is endless scrolling. It's There's not no Instagram movie, that right. takes me back three years. You know, I can sit there and keep going till it's empty. I get to see, everyone gets to take one picture a day. And those are the only pictures I have access to. So once I take my picture, I just see them. I feel, and I feel a little more connected as Sawyer did a great job explaining on that first episode because it's candid. I feel like I'm kind of in their life. I see what's happening, but it takes up 10 minutes of my day. And they I would yeah. They put a pre-established boundary for you. Yes, because there's nothing else for me to see that's I not can't already send them there. a mess, separate message, yes. an instant message or something. Yeah. I can't DM. I can't. I can't do anything. And beyond. I'm not seeing other people I don't know that I have to compare myself to. Now those options are there, but they're not the primary use of it. No. It would it would it would not be the way most people use it. So I would encourage you with your kids, you know, think through those kind of things like let's limit TikTok, let's limit Instagram. But you know, these other apps, they may be okay. And so being able to have those conversations, like we said, it all comes back to the conversation. And you don't have to take the things we said as, you know, gospel truth. Oh, gosh, truth. feast night every single We're starting at the movie. Yes. Although I think it's a great idea. Yeah. But I'm saying you don't have to. You get to decide as a parent what social media use looks yes. like in your house. But you can't make a plan for it if you're not aware of, yes. of And I think it. just being able to have the conversation allows you the grace as mom and dad to not be great. Yep. And to not get it perfect. But if you can keep the lines of communication open, if you can be honest with them, if you can be humble, if you can be patient Absolutely. and allow them to mess up and not get it exactly perfect, you'll find that that also roots them in something real. And I think that's important. So yeah, agreed. I don't have anything else on this. I don't either. I hope this was a helpful, uh, helpful topic for you guys. I think we'll continue to... We'll be hitting yeah, on social this media regularly. We're not. We're not going to be done. This isn't. You know, we're not done yeah. with this. But you know, feel free to send us your questions about social yeah. media or anything else. And if you've got any great ideas for us to share with other people about how maybe you've limited, yeah, it put that house, in that form on the question. We, we want to hear from you. So uh, anyway, well, sounds like we're a wrap on this That's topic it. for today. So good to see you all, not great parents, and we'll see you next time. Bye.